It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen <laughs> Everybody to another episode of Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast, episode four four forty four, and oh my god, we're going back to nineteen ninety six. Good gravy! It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a great one because it's October tenth, and we're doing spooky movies on Fear and Loathing in Cinema. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by all the hosts and hostess with the most and mostess here. Uh, Tim Burton reference? I think so, because we're talking about Tim Burton today. Of course, I'm joined by the man, the law of movies in Austin, Dan Moran. How he doing? Ack, 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 ack. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> Good to see you. And then, of course, coming from Denton, Texas, who just spent his weekend with his best friend, Robocop, Preston Barta, how are you? I'm good. I was going to prepare a speech that sounded a little bit like Abraham Lincoln meets Leave It to Beaver, but I didn't didn't do that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I had a good I had a good time at Didn't Jazz Fest. It was fun. Good, good, good. And of course, our Miami gym, our Florida, our Florida Emerald over there, Chelsea Nicole. How are you? I'm good. I recently learned the international sign of the donut, so I'm better. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, whenever I go into a donut shop, I'm going to do that, and hopefully they get it. Uh, and then we have a special guest, a legendary filmmaker. Oh, my God. Coming up from the north, who we like to play, you know trash can beer pong well trash can champagne and raspberry beer pong with at go. film festivals he's the man the myth the legend himself he takes no wrong turns and he likes vhs especially from 1985 mike nelson how are you oh it is uh this is this is a true honor all of you to be a part of this show um 1996 was a great year for movies uh, I mean, come on, like Twister, Independence Day, Frighteners, Mars Attacks. This is insane. Like, I mean, we had some of the greats that year. He, oh, and may, 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 I, I can't forget a couple of other classics either. Um, uh, Space Truckers and uh, Uncle Sam. So, I mean, we, did, <laughs> we had the lineup that year. 
that was a good year. So let's go around the room. I'll start with myself. In 1996, I was 15 years old. I feel like all these movies were made for me. Dan, how old were you in 1996? If I'm doing the math correctly, I think I was 13. So 1996 was a pretty formative year between Scream and Independence Day. And I was getting into all this stuff. And we'll talk about my reaction to Mars Attacks in a few minutes. But 1996 is really where things took off for me. Oh, my goodness. Hell yeah. Uh, Preston, how old were you in 1996? I was six. I was six. He's a baby. He's the the baby. And and I think I did see this movie in theaters. So my my parents were rebels. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? (laughs) There we go. Uh, Mike, how old were you? I was 14. And I saw this movie on my 14th birthday. Oh, my goodness. He had a Mars Attacks birthday. Oh, my God. I heard the frick did. And it was incredible. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Chelsea, are you the young one of the bunch or is Preston the young baby? No, I'm the young one. No, Preston's the baby. I was nine, but I did like Preston. uh, My question, my parents were questionable. And I did see this in the movie theater. So... And you got scared, right? Oh, I got terrified. I didn't, yeah, terrified. Well, I'm the old man of the bunch here. Uh, That's fine. That's fine. 15 to 6. It's good. We're going to get into that in Mars Attacks very soon. But first, I think we had a good segment last week where we asked a question to the internet, and we're going to answer it here. Uh, Some people would say Mars Attacks is a bad movie. We're here to tell you otherwise. But since Mars Attacks, has such an incredible, crazy cast. Oh my God, I wish we had the casting director on here. Um, I want to know the question we asked, what's a great acting performance in an otherwise bad movie? And this can be a bad movie that you just personally don't like or just like a generally accepted bad movie. But is uh we'll start with we'll start with Preston. Preston, is there like a great acting performance that's in an otherwise bad movie that you love? Yeah, Raul Julia and Street Fighter. <laughs> good God, that's a good answer. Raul Julia was just good in everything, even that movie Overdrawn at the Memory Banks. He was so good in. He yep. just he in probably one of the best Mystery Science Theater three thousand episodes too. But he's so damn good. He sold it. He made it. Good answer. Mike. Mike, what do you think? This is a tough one. Like I so I love the movie Waterworld with all my being. Um, but I also know that it was um it, it's it, it's a it's a movie that's split between a lot of people. And I, I don't I, I feel like a lot of people who have given it the shaft, and I, I know you guys did a segment on it or a, a, an episode on it. Um um People who who remember it don't remember how cool it actually was. They they just haven't revisited yet. They have to watch it again. I'm gonna have to go with um um because it was a movie that that was kind of critically lambasted. And even like when you talk to the your friends after you saw it and they're like, that movie sucked, you're like, what was I missing that made it suck? Dude, Dennis Hopper in that movie is just mm-hmm. off the chain. He uh I think one of my favorite movie lines of all time is uh when he's talking to um uh, to uh uh enola and um 
he says, uh, I don't give a shit about you, friend. You took out my eye. And if I ever see him again, I'm going to cut open his head. And I'm going to eat his brains. I think he liked that. Like, it's just, I mean, that line would have been delivered terribly by, I, I think, any other actor. And he yeah. just made it so good. Um, yeah, fantastic. And if I was to go with a close second, it would have to be... Uh, uh, Roddy McDowell from class of 84, just the scene in the classroom when he's like, has the gun with uh, against the the gang members. I'm just like, I have never, my heart has never pounded this hard before in my life. And this is the class of 84. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think um, Dennis Hopper does take the cake. He's a, he's a close second. Okay. You, yeah, you scared me with, with that. That was, that was really good. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been practicing that for since I've seen them, when was that movie? Did the movie come on? 97 or 95? Okay. I saw that one in the theater. I was in Colorado. I saw it in the theater and I was such a huge Mad Max fan that like, it just was like, dude, this is like a new Mad Max and nobody else understood that. Like it was way ahead of its time. Now if that movie would have been made, it would have been an incredible movie. Everybody'd be like, this is, this is amazing. Sorry. I keep, I keep going on and on. It's you're going to have to tell me to stop. No, no we're, you're going to keep going. <laughs> it's that energizer right there uh chelsea what about you let's go to you what 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 actor or actress do you find gave a great performance in a bad movie so i'm gonna go more modern with this one um and say like a personal one that because i look up like lists and stuff and i was like eh, is there anything i like on there but i'm gonna go florence Pugh in Don't Worry Darling and or Black Widow. She, yeah, she knows what she's doing. She elevates it. Um, the movies aren't great, um, but she, and it's not her fault that Harry Styles couldn't, you know, elevate himself to act alongside her. So. Good answer. Wondrous. I like Florence Pugh. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, give yeah. it to me straight. Dan, give it to me straight. Yeah, kind of a sad one, but I'm going to double dip with Philip Seymour Hoffman in mm -hmm. Along Came Polly, which does not work for me in any level other than every scene that he is in has me rolling. Yeah, the <laughs> basketball scene has been memed to death, but everything he does in that movie is just hilarious to me. And then what, it was like four years later, he's in fucking doubt with Meryl Streep. And you're just like... It's he's he's amazing in that movie in All on Kim Polly. And I think he's the best villain in what I think is the weakest Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible 3, I think, is the weakest Mission Impossible all around. And he is truly menacing in that movie. And I think that is why every villain since then has been some MacGuffin thing that doesn't exist for Tom Cruise to chase rather than have another Oscar caliber actor out there chewing scenery and showing people what's up because he was he stole that entire movie when he has that i mean it was one of the best trailers from that summer where he's explaining how he's i'm gonna find your wife i'm gonna put a bullet in her head like that whole speech like yeah. he's awesome so those are two that i think are weaker movies or don't work for me that he just every scene he's in just is incredible dude he's also one of like the most like i love twister but like he's so good in twister like, I mean, growing up, I mean, that's another 96, like, and he, he is just, off, 
he's off the hook. Like, I remember my brother and I, we would watch that movie all the time. And we would, always, like, when we were hungry, we'd be like, food, food, food. Like, it was, I mean, <laughs> he's so he's, good. That's so why I kind of I kind of felt like it was a cheat code because I mean I know he's we lost he we lost him a few years ago but he was so prolific in his range of being in all these movies but he did so many movies that some of them just I was like oh this isn't good but he's good in them like he he never he never failed to bring his A game to anything I'm he was close man yeah yeah everything everything is good that is good. Um, I've got I've got one what two of them one real one and one runner up. Uh, first one, Elizabeth Berkeley and Showgirls. Good God, she's so good in that movie. Even in the first like three minutes, where she's so happy go lucky and confident, gets in a fight and then cries, has an emotional breakdown, all within the span of like thirty seconds, and almost gets killed. It's like movie was she should have had the oscar for showgirls uh my other one to that is donald gibb in blood sports uh the, the ogre from revenge of the nerds he sells that movie as like the friend like he brings the heart and emotion to that movie donald gibb is on another pl- i mean forrest whitaker is in that movie so i always think that blood sport has an oscar because forrest whitaker has an oscar but uh it's i Donald Gibb is so good in Bloodsport. And I I watched that the other day again because I love that movie. And I was like, man, I mean, Jean-Claude is Jean-Claude um, and Bolo Young is Bolo Young. But Donald Gibb, man, just sold it. He he was the emotional force in that movie. <laughs> I loved it. Go Donald Gibb. <laughs> so uh, I know we asked this question online and uh, a couple of the que- some some of the answers we received, I'll give one. Uh, one of our friends said Mia Goth and Pearl. And I feel like I really liked Pearl a lot, but Mia Goth and Pearl was one of the answers. And the other one, which I do not agree with, because I think this was my favorite movie of that year, Brendan Fraser and the Whale. I thought the whale was amazing. I don't um, agree with either one of those because those aren't yeah. bad movies. Those aren't bad movies. Yeah, I agree like, with these people. And I'm, and I'm going to put bad in quotes. Bad movies. Yeah, right? Yeah. Brandon Fraser and though I don't agree with these. Uh, I mean, I both they're both great performances, but I think they're great movies. Uh, did anybody else get any answers? Uh, I, got, I got one. Um, Anton Yelchin in Terminator Salvation. Mm. Oh, yeah, I agree with that one. I saw it on some lists, but um, someone messaged and said, this is the worst Terminator sequel. And he is, he's really good in this movie. Agreed. So, Agreed. So I got, I got one and it was for Mars Attacks, which was uh, Glenn Close in Mars Attacks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Everybody turns in a good one in that. Chelsea, did you get any? Um, Not for that. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Let's let, that's our question. We're gonna try to keep this segment to open it up every show from now on because it's super fun. Gets us gets us talking with the listeners. Uh before we get into Mars Attacks, let's let's talk about let's let's talk about uh Mike, Mike Nelson's uh you film, really have to talk about me. <laughs> film premiere, film premiere. Uh he's been traveling to the festivals. Uh talk to me. What's it like? 
traveling to multiple film festivals with your own movie? I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, this is kind of the first time I've done this. Like, I mean, I, I did it with one festival for the domestics. Um, but this was like the one with like two pretty big heavy hitters back to back. Um, Fantastic Fest and then Beyond Fest and, um, you know, getting the full on red carpet treatment, press being interviewed by this son of a bitch right here and asking the worst question of all time. Mike, my question for you is, why? <laughs> <laughs> and just being completely stunned. I'm just like, I have no idea how to answer that question. I've never done a red carpet before. I've never done press before. Like, like that kind of in your face. And that's the question he asked. And I'm just about, I'm just about ready to die. Um, uh, it was, it was pretty surreal. Um, and, uh, you know, being there with uh, such, like such a gr great group of uh, directors um the producers and yeah just we all you know we of course had a very minimal connection with the with the exception of the producers because you were talking with the producers during the making of the film films but the directors didn't have that much um connection throughout throughout our, our creations of our pieces and we, we really got to meet each other for the first time out there and yeah. and hang out and we all just kind of we all just kind of fell in love with each other. It was really, it was really cool. Like we all got it. We all got each other's thing and we all just had a lot of fun together. And that was to me, one of the real kind of special moments was like, wow, like we're, you just kind of feel like you're in this like cool group of people who get it, you know what I mean? And um, so that was really exciting. Um, just seeing the reactions of people. Um, I mean, Beyond Fest was such an incredible audience i had never i don't know if i'd been in a movie that um had th that sort of reaction to it before like um you know everybody's just hooting and hollering and, and screaming at the screen and laughing and it's just you know uh glenn danzig got kicked out of our movie you know yeah. it was like it was it what's was that story what's that story how'd that happen you know, I wish I wish I had I was witness to it. Um, I, you know, other than, you know, hearing some of the, the 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 whispers, I didn't know what was going on. And then. um, Yeah, I just I heard uh, afterwards, I know that uh, Glenn was invited by by one of the uh, producers and. um, I guess he was talking during the movie and, and people he, he had it. something to say, <laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, <laughs> To miss it's a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting. Yeah, it was it was a fun thing that I feel like you know became part of the story of the movie at least for that that screening and got uh, quickly passed around on on Twitter um, right after and it was uh, it was just kind of one of those fun like oh yeah that happened <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it was really, it was a really amazing experience, though. Uh, to to sum it up, it was um, never quite experienced anything quite like it, and uh, yeah, man, being so, a part of it was was something else. Yeah, so we're talking about VHS eighty five, yeah. which is now on Shutter. I watched yeah. it. I watched it when it premiered on Shutter, and then I watched another two segments the other day. But I just got to ask you, Mike, because we had the pleasure of interviewing you for a wrong turn and your passion and excitement about the masks 
and like the cool things. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away in your segment, but I knew when your segment was um, based on, was it prosthetics or what? Because there's a moment where a character turns around and something has happened to them on a boat. And I immediately thought in my head, I was like, Mike must have celebrated like he won the Super Bowl or something whenever that thing popped on screen. Because I... I'm so desensitized with all the shit that we watch. And I was like, oh, oh God. It was, you went for it there, man. It was gnarly. <laughs> I mean, we we had a lot, uh, you know, I, we had a lot going against us doing that on a boat, on a lake, with live prosthetics, with live blood cannons, with squibs. There was just everything that, I mean, it even started raining one day, like everything that like could go, like there's a lot of stuff that could have gone wrong. Um, we, we were very, very fortunate. I, you know, give a lot of credit to our team for just, just being freaking rock stars and just knowing what they're doing. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll talk about the, the thing that you're talking about without talking about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was just one of those things that um, I have to give props to to Ryan Shadley and, and Becky Ingram, who uh, are at Outpost 31 here in, in Minneapolis. They're just they're such incredible makeup artists, such incredible prosthetic horror gore, uh, you know, creators. It's just. Um, they, you know, I, I told them what I wanted. I told them, you know, that this wasn't something to be. This isn't supposed to be this overly exploitive moment. This is supposed to all kind of feel like real damage from from a, from a weapon. And so let's see if we can make that happen. And they tested a couple things and built a whole apparatus that they were able to put on, like, you know, cast the actress's head, put this whole apparatus on, on, on her face and all this stuff. And then and then we went full Godfather with it, like with fishing line. Like we had, luckily the lake was super shallow. So we had somebody standing out on the lake holding, you know, the fishing line. And it was all about just, you know, when you turn the camera from, from A to B, it was just, it was just timing. You know what I mean? And we were able to do it. I think, I think we did three takes of it just in terms of making sure that we had diff like slightly different timings just to make sure that it, it was one of them would work in the edit. Um, before like the apparatus just wasn't working anymore um, but it, it it worked out and I remember even the first one it just we're all just like that actually looks really really good and so we're like can we do it again and Ryan's like I hope so <laughs> and sure enough we were able to do it we anyway it was it was a blast and um yeah, I, I'm still, I'm again, one of those kind of still pinching me. We 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 pulled that off. Like I was like, Ew. so it was it was amazing. I mean, we're in October already, but that is that was one of the loudest reactions that for just me sitting by myself in the dark watching the movie. I was I was astonished. I was like, I'll re I will remember. I mean, I, I loved the segment, but that specific shot, like if we're going to do at the end of the year, like we did last year, like favorite moments or favorite shots, like that's up there. Cause I was like, Oh shit, this is what is, <laughs> Oh man. And that was, that was for a midnight showing like the VHS premiere. Yeah. And I you know, when you're at a film festival, you're, you're really sleepy. And I, I was just <laughs> waiting all day to kind of like see your segment. And I, <laughs> Oh, as sure. soon as I saw that, I go, yes. And everyone <laughs> around me just goes, ah. 
So yeah, yeah. thank you for that. Oh my gosh, it's uh, that's 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 why we do it. You know, it uh, it's um, uh, it's fun, and we're we're, it's 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 such a it's it's it is one of the refreshing things about VHS, and I'm sure you you've heard this all from every one of those directors uh, over and over again, but it's why like it's so great is because they they want you to just try absolutely crazy things and they don't want you to hold back. And that was sort of one of those moments where I was like, okay, yeah, we're on a boat, we're in a lake, uh, we're just gonna do this thing and we're gonna see if it works. And, you know, thank God it did. Um, Pretty, pretty, pretty fun. I, I must say, I think we all collectively have been texting each other about it uh, and being like, oh, my God, Mike segment. Good God. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, te yeah. I texted about it before I knew you were coming on. So this isn't like, uh, like <laughs> I, text, I texted everyone like, did you see this? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, like I think one of the things that for me and 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 I know we should start probably getting into Mars attacks stuff, but like one of the things that like I always wanted to like kind of capture with, with this idea and that what kind of always came was was at the at the, the core of it was like, you know, um, horror movies are, are, are usually never about the victims. They're always about the survivor and the killer. And that would this was like a really fun opportunity because again they're they're just like do anything like do something absolutely nuts i'm like well what if we made a movie about the victims and like what they have to go through after they go through mm -hmm. what they go through you know what i mean and then we just hang with them because most of the time victims are sort of like uh, they they die and then they're just done um and, and i mean even with uh even with our our antagonists you know i feel like you know they're also a victim of of circumstance and they have a the, a decision or a choice to make um in in the 11th hour and they end up making a really really terrible decision um yeah i that was to me part of the part of the exploration you know is just like you know what what is that what does that feel like um i we don't get that side of the story and um i feel like it was not only timely but at the same time i wanted to do it in a way that was kind of like a little gut wrenching, but also had its payoff of like, well, you can get yours. You can get you can you can get your revenge, not in the way that you're gonna think, but you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get your revenge uh, as well. So it's it 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 paid off, and um and I'm glad you know for an idea that sat on my computer for three years, um that everybody thought was too weird and and wasn't gonna work. Uh, I was able to actually execute it, which was fun. Well, did you like chat with Gigi and be like, our segments are like so raw and like authentic to real life, but we turn the screw a little bit at the end. And I just found that odd. You know, we, like I said, we, we, there was no discussion or any kind of conversation between any, any of the directors while we were making or writing or anything. It was, it all just kind of once the segments were made, it was they were kind of all in the hands of David and 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 the other producers to just like where do these all fit together? Um, but again, I think that's a testament to them and then and the selection that they made uh, with this round mm -hmm. of just you know the ideas that were out there. 
Um, and, and I think there's always a reason for for things like that to come together. Like people's minds are all kind of thinking, you know, in a, in a similar space, and it just so happened to to work out. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, before we get into Mars attacks, I got the question for Dan. Dan, how do you uh, relate Mike's segment in VHS to John Wick? <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, just bring Mike on to do every single every single scene where he hits someone with a blunt object of some sort and show the actual like you should come in and do like it would be really funny to be to do an entire comedy movie about the guys who they clean up with the coins and they just come in and it's just all the gore everywhere and it's just these guys it's like i got one fucking gold coin but now i have to clean up these 17 dead guys that were killed with <laughs> medieval weapons in this damn glass museum what are you gonna do <laughs> That, see that to me i i that to me is more almost more exciting and more interesting than like the acrobatic gunplay like i i, I look at myself as almost like what is what is what is the opposite what is what is the anti thesis of uh of of john wick and like that to me is like exactly what you just said <laughs> like <laughs> that story about the cleanup process like yeah. there is something really interesting there it could be really fun really goopy uh, um strangely it could be really emotional as well which you know i'm always trying to find something like that at, at the core but like there's a there's something there that i think could be a lot of fun and, and th those are those to me are like the stories it's like the stories underneath the sort of we'll call it underneath the a plot maybe maybe it's even the f plot you know what i mean <laughs> those to me are like so fascinating and i think there's so much to be pulled from uh there's there's just there's so much uh that you could pull from from that the, so I, I love that that is great <laughs> the john the john wick joke has been a running joke to try to connect movies to john wick just because we had so much fun with it but i agree with you the gunplay stuff is kind of it's played out now like after four of them i get it they're still awesome to watch but now i want it to be like I want to see a comedy in that world. They're just like a, a really <laughs> bad assassin who's just like, you know what? This, you know, just yeah. There has to be the worst assassin in that right. rank. <laughs> right. I want the guy who doesn't. I want the guy who's carrying around a pug, yeah. not an attack <laughs> dog. Just like the worst dog ever, like in a dog carrier, just trying to. <laughs> ah, I didn't sharpen my knives today. <laughs> you get uh, character in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is genius. And speaking of A, B, C, D, E, and F plots, let's move on to Mars Attacks. Because <laughs> there's lots of plots yeah, in this movie yeah. that we have to get to. 1996. Good God. Um, Mars. This movie um, is something that is beyond... I mean, it's such a crazy movie to come out at the time but of course directed by tim burton written by jonathan gems uh this movie was released christmas time in the u.s in 1996 december 13th this was your christmas movie from tim burton uh the budget back in 1996 was about a hundred million dollars in it i think it made a hundred and one million dollars so <laughs> give or take uh i still think that's pretty good if you can make a hundred million dollars in your movie i think that's pretty good um and it literally stars everybody in hollywood uh in the in the movie and it's a it, you know it's a take on the novel mars attacks or um as we saw with tom cruise and spielberg um war of the worlds type of thing 
Um, but I, I don't know your your first viewing of this. I know we talked a little bit about that, but I'm, I'm curious with Chelsea to start with. Um, your first time you saw this, you were nine, and why did it scare you? So the first time I saw this, I was nine. Um, and it terrified me because those aliens are fucking scary with their, with their, like, I think it's the brains outside of the skull and then the, the eye, the eyes with no eyelids that scared me. And I think the kind of like, they were so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. They had like the silliness, but it was like terrifying silliness. Um, so that. That scared the shit out of nine-year-old me. That scared you. And so with uh, Mike and Preston, you watched this with your kids. And do you remember being scared of this movie when you watched it or your, or when you watched it with your kid and having to explain things while watching it with them? <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Um, I, when I was six and I watched this, I don't know if I had like nightmares over it or anything like that. It, it certainly has imagery that stuck with me and certain lines that have stuck with me. I think seeing heads on <clears throat> ankle biter dogs is kind of a, a scary image that sticks with you. And like Chelsea said, the unpredictability of them. And that's what I always, I didn't, I missed this line until <clears throat> I watched it recently. But when Natalie Portman says, I guess it's not the doves uh, like that. That really made me laugh because she's so chill about it. And it just like that. That's like this. That's this movie in a nutshell, like anything goes. And but there's like we're going to really get into it. And so I'm jumping ahead with getting into some of these like uh, different plot lines where characters are like Jim Brown, who I think is one of the MVPs of it, who just has like this serious drama segment. And then, um, and then we get into some other ones that are like, you know, Jack Nicholson doing two different characters. And we get into like one of his characters is like that line from Batman, like this town needs an enema. Like if that was a character, that is the guy. And so, uh, yeah, uh, but so many things probably went over my son's head. But yeah, just he got attached to just seeing them essentially use like squirt guns to vaporize these uh, people and turn into so much so that we printed out. Um, so he likes to color a lot and my wife will print things off. And so he's like, give me some uh, skeletons and he painted them red and green. So there's some creative inspiration in there, I would say. And um, so I, th I think he really took to a lot of the imagery too. a lot of the other stuff kind of went over his head. So I did kind of have to, quiet the moment or desynthesize the moment a little bit whenever it comes to seeing like heads of things being placed on dogs or or just seeing the heads by themselves still alive and it's kind of like uh when we watched uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio where it's like you cannot live if I know VHS 85 says something different but you cannot live if you don't have a head man like it, it, Pinocchio gets killed he dies and what like don't do any, like so it's just like you have to have some serious conversations too but um yeah all all to say it was good fun 
Good. Uh, Mike, do you have the same experience with first time seeing it and then watching it for the first time with your child? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, I was 14 and I remember going into it knowing, so like I grew up, uh, my dad and I uh, and my brother would, we rented like Earth versus Flying Saucers, The Brain That Wouldn't Die, um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, like all of these classic, you know, black and white 50s and 60s um, uh, monster movies, alien movies. Um, and so for me, I, at that time, I sort of, I got the joke strangely like and that's why it worked for me i was like this is amazing this is like all the movies i grew up with granted i'm 14 and it's 1996 it's not i sound like i'm you know at the time i'm like 60 years old and these are the films that i grew up with <laughs> no, but like that was that was what i grew up with was, was the black and whites of, of that of that time and and so i understood a lot of the references that were going on in it mm-hmm. what was interesting was it to me felt like, you know how like Monster Squad did, uh, you know, the universal monsters and they were very, very cruel. And I had never seen anything quite like that at the age that I saw that movie. Um, and it made me really, it actually scared me, like how frightening they, uh, Fred Decker made those monsters. Because those monsters were kind of scary in the old ones, but they were more just kind of like, oh, cool. Here comes Frankenstein's monster. Here comes Dracula. Um with Mars Attacks, it was very similar to me, even at the age of 14, where I was like, whoa, like, this is funny, but it's also, it's mean. <laughs> like, there, there's like no remorse there. I mean, the uh, Jack Nicholson's death, I think, uh, as the president was, to me, really shocking in that movie, because yeah. um, it was, it was, it was mean. It was super mean. And uh, you think and it completely pulls you off guard. You feel like that's the end of the movie, like they're kind of going to resolve something. And um, then he just gets a big stick through the chest and falls down and like the look on his face and like a flag pops up. And you're just like, I feel kind of icky right now watching this, but why do I also love it? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah so it was i love i love when movies can do that and I, that's that's why i connected to monster squad because it was monster squad had so many of those moments too like when you have dracula with the little girl give me the am you bitch you're just like something there's something off-putting about that that's also very like this is why i love these kinds of movies because it makes me feel unsafe and i love that experience um so yeah i mean we'll just go back to it age 14 yeah i loved it i understood a lot of the references but it also put me on edge because they were doing things that i was not expecting to happen in what was supposed to be this overly goofy you know homage um and that i really really appreciated as for my son when he watched it you know he you know i think you know uh, to to preston's point the the seeing the you know pierce brosnan's head connected you know, and just kind of floating there and the girl's head on the dog. That was definitely a shocker for him. And, you know, it is, it's like a direct reference to the brain that, that wouldn't die. Um, and, uh, you know, you do, you have to have those little conversations. Well, you know, it's, here, here's the deal, Murray. It's, it, it's supposed to be kind of fun. It's supposed to be kind of funny. It's supposed to be, it's a little goofy. He's like, but I know, but, but there's, but there's no body there. They, that can't happen like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, you know, I'm sitting there like laughing because it's so ridiculous and not and but when you do see that that other point of view um in the room and you start to explain it, you're like, Yeah, I guess that is that's this is messed up. You know what I mean? It really it really is messed up. Um then right so, after that, you showed him Frank and Weenie, and you're like, it makes more sense now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It came full circle. And it just proves that these Martians are master surgeons and engineers. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and they had Absolutely. some nerve thing there. They were connecting some wires into some blood vessels. Right. And yep. Dan, what about you? Oh, Dan, you have two two children. Did they watch it with you? My daughter won't go near anything that has aliens, ghosts, whatever. Like she saw a commercial for the haunted mansion this weekend, just while on TV during football, and she left the room. So no, she's good on that. And my son right now would probably be into it. But let me ask you a quick question: Did this movie have Spider Man in it? No. So he doesn't care about anything other than Spider Man right now. <laughs> He's very singularly focused on that. All eventually, right. Eventually, I'll I'll show it to him for sure. No, it's uh, I I remember seeing it in the theater when I was fifteen, and I I really loved it because I loved seeing every actor in it, and I think that's what gravitated my love for it is just seeing all these actors just have a ball on screen. It was just like, here's your playground, go. Mm-hmm. We're gonna pretend like we're in the 1950s and just ham it up. Uh. And I loved that back then, even though I thought because so, so back in, at 15, I I really love old country music. So Slim Whitman to me was like great music. And so uh, I was like, why are they saying this is terrible music? Why is this killing every alien? But I get it. You know, it's like, oh, the water to one type of alien in music is just, it's that easy. Um, but I, I still liked it. And I think I really appreciate today because there's so many little jokes and nods in this movie that I never got before until watching it recently. I was like, Oh my God. Uh, Tim Burton was on a different level, uh, of all sorts of things. Um, so I got to ask, um, let's start with, Let's start with Chelsea again. Chelsea, why do you think Mars attacks bombed? Why do you think this crazy $100 million movie that's comedy and horror and sci-fi with virtually every big name at the time in movies was in it, why do you think it bombed? Was the world not ready? So so ultimately, so I did a lot of research on this movie. Um, It uh independence day had come out a few months before july yeah yeah um and so i don't really think audiences were ready for this kind of like campy kitschy movie i think um it's a very you know it plays with that 1950s b movie with very silly dark humor and I feel like audiences may have wanted more of like a straightforward, like heroic, like um, in Independence Day, it's just very much um, straightforward with Will Smith saving stuff. and Welcome to Earth and we got Lucas Haas. Yeah. (laughs) And this is just a, a lot campier and it has like everybody in Hollywood ever. And I'm just, I, I just think this 
probably was part of like the Independence Day curse of, you know, around that time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, looking back on it, I, I do think <laughs> Mars Attacks is a smarter movie than Independence Day. I like both, but I think Mars Attacks does it better in like, I guess, more logistically than um, Independence Day does in the end, just because of what happens in it. But Mike, wh- why do you think this movie, Bond, why do you think people just didn't like it? I have to agree. I have to agree with with Chelsea. I think I I do believe that uh, it had a lot to do with Independence Day. There was just, I mean, if you look at some of the movies, I mean, I guess Scream sort of played off the horror genre in a way, but it was still like it's still, still like a, it's still a pretty hardcore movie. Um, I don't know, like maybe it was just it, maybe it was the time. Maybe it was people just not being ready for that type of movie. Um, yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, you want to hope that Tim Burton, like, gave a middle finger to Roland Emmerich, you know, at some point was like, this is a real disaster movie. Yeah, because... I mean, if you if you look at, I mean, both movies are, like you said, I think that's a perfect example. You have, it was, uh, you had uh, Will Smith and then you had Lucas Haas. Like, <laughs> those are those are the two that, that saved the world. And it was, like, we can go and talk about the John Wick and what is the ant- antithesis to John Wick. Like, Mars Attacks is the antithesis to, to, to Independence Day. Like, that was, it kind of, whether they planned that or not, and I doubt they did, like, that kind of seemed like the point. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and that... Uh, I thought gave it a lot of its its charm and really made it its own thing. I just I do agree. I feel like people wanted the like the rousing like look at what we can do with movies now, which was ID4. Like everybody was blown away by I mean, we'd never seen anything quite like that before. Um and then Tim Burton in a way went backwards um for great effect and it just didn't click. And, which is crazy because like even like let take the first like minute and a half of Independence Day and then take the first minute and a half, 90 seconds of Mars Attacks. And Mars Attacks is a balls to the wall crazy opening. It's like a country dude and a Filipino guy and their argument is like, are you doing a Filipino New Year? And then all of a sudden hell on cows comes running like a thousand cows come running on fire and nobody knows what's going on. That is a way to open a movie (laughs) that Independence Day never did. And then we like, that's how it starts. And I think, what are we in for? And I think when we're all talking, it's like, yeah, because it's really silly because you see a lot of the Martians, you know, taking pictures of themselves, doing touristy stuff and having fun, but also very violent and uh, unstable. Working in their underwear, man. Yeah, working their their glittery speedos. Um, their default uniform was a glitter speed, red glitter speedo. But it, but that's like the silliness and then the violence that come to it that I don't think uh, that I think this movie walks that line and succeeds at it. Where maybe uh, Independence Day did not, except for Judd Hirsch's character who provided like the kind of dark humor in that movie, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that that opening of Mars Attacks just sets the tone right there because it's funny and silly. But then all it's like, wait, this is actually a scary moment. What would you do if you saw 
a herd of cattle completely on fire running by you. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I remember watching the Oscars that year and in Billy Crystal's opening song, he sings to Jack Nicholson, forget Mars attacks. And I'll <laughs> never, I'll never forget watching that um, and being and, and asking myself, what's wrong with Mars attacks? I mean, we didn't have Rotten Tomatoes. We didn't have like all the like the the tons of reviewers like lambasting us with like what they thought about a movie. You went to a movie, you maybe read the the article in the in, in your local paper, your city paper, um, uh, uh, like the one reviewer guy who decided, who's, who loved it or hated it, whatever. And that was it. Um, and so then when you suddenly start to the the world opens up and you start seeing people making jokes about a terrible movie, you're like, that was a terrible movie. I thought it was really, really great. <laughs> Yeah, it's, like it just yeah. It, like the yeah there was again I do believe it comes down to like what was what was widely accepted as a as a in a wide audience which was Independence Day and what was sort of niche and Mars Attacks was the niche audience and I feel like the people who loved it then still love it now and I feel like now that we have such a far more diverse language in storytellers and 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 filmmaking now so than we did back then i think now this is a movie that you show it to somebody as a new movie now um some somebody who's never seen it before and it, it will blow them away yeah it's Agreed. it's crazy um dan do you have anything yeah my only thing was i think i mean i joke about this all the time but i say the collective we because we're part of it but we're kind of dumb just as a collective, like, movie-going public in general, like, defaults to dumb most of the time. And I feel like what Chelsea was saying and everyone's agreed with about Independence Day, I don't think a lot of people knew that this was a spoof or a comedy or fun. Like, I think a lot of people saw it and was like, Tim Burton's making a really cheap version of Independence making Day. Making an Ed Wood movie. And it's coming out around Christmas. And I think that there's enough people out there to be like, a Christmas movie that looks like a poor man's version of Independence Day? This is stupid. And I think many people probably thought that way and didn't get the jokes and didn't understand it. And the trailer was played up just like those old trailers to look serious. And so there's probably a lot of people like, what, what is going on? I'm not seeing that garbage, not realizing what was going on. Whereas today, we would know, we would be like, Tim Burton's making a spoof movie of these 50s classics. This is going to be hilarious. I can't wait. There was more... Um, education i guess uh, or an educated audience to kind of understand what they were going for or there would be more of a marketing arm pointing that out and and i think that was the biggest failure for it and right. and noting of, of what press was saying it was like doing it like ed wood and i mean honestly ed wood was the that was his movie that he just did before this yeah <laughs> like he was he was in the mindset he was, he was. Uh, oh, so good. Okay, so with this movie, having a cast that has Jack Nicholson in two roles, Glenn Close, Annette Benning, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox, Tom Jones, Lucas Haas, Natalie Portman, Jim Brown, Lisa Marie, Christina Applegate, who I don't think has a line in the movie, Jack Black, Pam Greer, uh, the list goes on. How did... Tim Burton talk everybody into coming aboard this movie. Do you think he said something to the tune of like, man, so you have this Independence Day coming out. We're going to do our own version. 
see Batman, see Beetlejuice, see Ed Wood. I'm hot off of Ed Wood. Come aboard my movie. We're making a 1950s uh, $100 million movie. Do you think that's like the way they got this cast? Because that doesn't really happen today. We don't get a cavalcade of actors and actresses like this. What? No, there is a movie. And you loved it this year. And it's called Oppenheimer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it, I really think it comes down to respect of the artist. I think a lot of people had tremendous respect for him after doing what he did with finding like these dark tales and, or, or taking things that would be normal. So I think what Mike was saying earlier, I think kind of sums it all up. Like he is this filmmaker that knows how to subvert expectations within the, whether he's working with Batman or something like that, you're like, wow, that is not like a Batman that I've ever seen. You get to something like this and every single moment that we probably saw in Independence Day of like a hero running through and they're playing the heroic music. They do this in this movie with Jack Black. He's running and they're playing the hero music. And you're like, oh my God, he's going to save the day because they were building him up towards that. And then he just gets fucking fried. And you're like, just what Mike was saying earlier, like the movie's very mean. It, and, it is uh, very mean. I even had a note that says like Jack Black runs better than Tom Cruise in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chelsea. Oh, no, I I was going to say, I did see that Jack Nicholson accepted this role without ever reading the script because of how much he loved from working with Batman. And you you can't imagine that as soon as Jack Nicholson signs on, anybody else is just going to, yep, oh, oh, Jack is, oh, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, the dominoes just fall into place. He even gets a Bill Pullman speech. And still gets killed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so great. And what was amazing to me, I mean, getting the cast, I would be like, well, maybe a lot of these actors grew up with these types of movies and they read it and they were like, Tim Burton, we understand what they're going for. I want to yeah. be part of that. But when I read that Jack Nicholson didn't read the script and just signed on because he loves Tim Burton, I think that is that's the reason. And we're going to get to it and this probably comes into the humor of it, but it's a good script. Like it is very funny. It knows exactly what it is doing in every single scene. And Jack Nicholson, who I know we'll get to, he just goes for it. Like this guy, I know it's stupid for us to be like, Jack Nicholson, such a good actor, but nobody thinks of him in today's, the way he is in Mars Attacks. Like if you were just like, Nicholson sold a spoof and he was just a complete, goofball las vegas cowboy hat wearing guy and he was also the president of the united states and he just bought in so hard to both of these roles it was it was fun i bet you tim burton was like hey you've seen jack what i want you to do is i have a segment in beetlejuice where we have michael keaton go down like like just do that I thought of that I when he's up in the in the hotel thing pitching like it, it's it's yeah. it's like Jack Palace like, yeah like up in the window and everything yeah it's awesome that's very very true and so speaking of the cast who is the underdog castmate here because there's so many is there an underdog like great cast member that's like just not featured a lot is it the hero Jack Black. 
<laughs> who just like when he's saying goodbye to everybody and he goes to his brother Lucas Haas and just <laughs> gives him the business. <laughs> like, Don't touch any of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think like, is, is, is there, I mean, I, I got to say it. I think the underdog castmate here who I, I don't know if it was in the contract or not, but Tom Jones, yeah. Tom Jones survives. Yep. <laughs> he survives. He gets away. He flies a plane. Like it's just, how is Tom Jones, not the underdog here? And he gets to sing his song that Fresh Prince <laughs> made famous twice. <laughs> with, with, with every animal. He turns into Snow White. I don't oh, get it. It's so good. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's I, I, anybody else have a have a underdog castmate that no, tops top. Everyone gets their due. Like I think maybe this that's one thing that's smart about it. everyone gets their due because I would sit here and say maybe it's the kids, but the kids have their moment. Um, they do. Pam Greer's kids. They have a great moment in this movie. Um, so it's it's. Every, it's just like i don't know it's everybody gets a chance in this movie which is what makes it so fun you said a b c d e f plots but i feel like they actually all work together and everyone gets to shine for at least a moment which is so rare it is rare. I like, uh paul winfield as general casey like he has a good moment where he's talking on his walkie where it's like so human yeah like he's, he's you know giving a call to his wife he's like and then he immediately puts on the general face. And so I felt like there's a lot of little human moments all throughout where everybody has to play their part, but then they also have their humanity just, just there. Little nuances. Yeah, can we talk about him? I feel like in this movie, everybody screws and fucks him over. Like he, I feel <laughs> like is like the right person, but nobody listens to him. And then to the antithesis of him, Pierce Brosnan's character is constantly wrong. Like there's anything in the movie he says is not right. <laughs> Whereas the general he, is always but he has a little pipe, but he has a little pipe, so you know, so you yeah. know he's smart. I mean, did anybody catch that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do, yeah. so do you think that Tim Burton was trying to say something about I don't know? Yeah. That he always is about every little thing. That's what, what what Mike was saying. Like he's very, or even uh Brian saying like how everything's thought out. It's pretty calculated, and so there's like moments, especially watching it this time. I think this was, was the most fun that I had watching it because watching it in my 30s and picking up on all these things, I'm recognizing so much of the genius where I watched it very surface level as a you know, very young one, six years old. No, yeah. There, there's so many jokes in this movie. Does the humor hold up here? And I think it does. And even to a better level, because you even mm -hmm. have, you have like your setup and punchlines, but then you have like these small jokes where Tim Burton inserts this cat who's only referred to as a pussycat. And the pussycat's name <laughs> is Muffy. And I was like, this is a genius joke. Like that yeah. not a lot of people would get. Like that's just double the fun right there. But I loved that <laughs> these jokes are in this movie. Mike, is there like particular like smaller jokes in the movie that you, you caught this time around? 
Well, like I, I always love uh, when the uh, the Secret Service guy is trying to get them out of the White House, and he's he's getting them out, and they're like, "Oh, oh, oh let's go over this way. Let's go over it. No, no, you can't go in there. There's a tour in there." Mm-hmm. While the aliens are attacking everybody, like, yeah. again, it's just there. Even just the smallest moments like that are are really well thought out, and uh, goes to show you where where uh, his his headspace was in in making this. I also love how, as an audience member, because we're so used to movies like we're we're, we're used to watching movies like Independence Day, where it's like you see the guy who's like the general who like the Rod Steiger character in this in in this. Rod Steiger or whatever, um, who's like, we should annihilate them, kill, kill, kill. And like, as an audience member, you sort of know what, you know exactly what's going to happen. You're like, he's actually right. <laughs> and he's not supposed to be the one that's right. You know what I mean? And he so overdoes it um, with that and has an amazing death when he's like the big man who then becomes very, very small and just gets squished like an ant. Yeah. Um brilliant brilliant that he that that the script and, and how burton like makes him strangely this like guy who gets it like no no these guys are gonna fucking kill us all uh and nobody listens to him either yeah. <laughs> and uh and then um yeah i don't know wants like, to use the nukes nobody i know, I know. and then of course and then, and then it gets real they use the nukes and nothing happens they and they you just that the helium gag yeah they, they smoke <laughs> they smoke that nuke dude just it's just it's lovely it's it, i mean and i think too like now that we're so um i think we're so we get politics from every single nook and cranny uh yeah. now like we see so much even more so than back then um and i mean as kids like we we weren't reading newspapers and stuff our parents maybe were so they might have gotten some of the the inside stuff but like now you hear it on every single podcast you hear your newsfeed blows up with like what's going on in congress and of course you have the whole joke here where they literally wipe out everybody in congress i mean there's so much going on in this now that i feel like politically you would like you couldn't help but just die laughing at just how ridiculous it is and how actually true it is with all the infighting and just and and the way that that the military reacts to things and the way that the president wants to be perceived and it just it works on so many levels now even more now so i think with the with the ability to see what's going on politically within within every single nook and cranny Mm -hmm. it it was it was it it was like ahead of its time even that scene in congress where the Martians, by the way, one of the funny jokes when the Martian comes up to the stand and he like checks the mic to see if it's on, how and why. But then he like pulls out condoms and like makes a dick joke to Congress, which is great, and then kills them all. And then the grandmother's laughing, uh, cut away to her laughing. It's like, they wiped out Congress. I'm like, that's so ahead of its time in 1996 today. Like, oh my goodness. Yep. There was that line, uh, do the Martians have two sexes like we do? <laughs> I was like, I, that would be my Martians question. Martians have two sexes like we do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and you, you think that because you hear that and then you see Pierce Brosnan saying they do not have genitalia. However, Chelsea, I think you brought up uh at I some think we're in speedos. And, they're, and it, they seem very horny. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I brought up there. They seem very, very horny. Like not just like the play, not just like the Playboy, but also they go. I think like Christina Applegate's having sex or something. Yeah. And it's, it's the <laughs> like scene, and I was like, "But wait, why?" It's, 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 their, it's must be in their heads, just like Avatar. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like Avatar. Oh, that's just so. It's it's crazy how ahead of its time this movie is. Um, so. Do you think Burton's Ode to the 50s works? Like, do you think they caught everything? Did you see, like, all of the 50s movies? I know, Mike, you mentioned a lot of it, but do you think his take on the 50s really worked in a modern day? Yes. I feel like this movie could have taken place anywhere between 1950 to, like, 1999. It's kind of, like, just because there are so many different like technologies and you have the ode to the 1950s like b movies the sci-fi b movies and stuff but there's just there's just a lot going on but i think it worked all right okay so i i want to change my answer i want to go back to the underdog castmate i want to change my answer from tom jones to danny devito because danny devito is frank reynolds in this movie he's frank reynolds from always sunny in this movie he is so good i if he didn't die in the movie i feel like he would have amassed his millions and gone to live in squalor in Philadelphia in this show because they're like the same character and Danny DeVito god bless him it just goes all the way in his movie right am I wrong here yeah Dan all you have to say if aliens evade is like I'm a lawyer I can help you (laughs) (laughs) I I, did, did you Mike did you like Danny DeVito watching this again in this movie yeah, I mean, honestly, he. This is gonna sound really weird, but I always forget that Danny DeVito is in this movie until I start watching it again. It's yeah. always a surprise for me. Like, that's yeah. right, Danny DeVito's in this freaking thing too. Like, I I remember that Sylvia Sidney's in this movie before Danny DeVito is in this movie. Yeah, like no. I remember it's like, oh yeah, it's the it's the lady from Beetlejuice with her slit throat that that yeah. the, you know, it's like you, it, it, I I have a, I have more of a connection to her being in the movie. Uh, I don't even think she's top build and like and Danny DeVito is. Um, and then when suddenly he shows up and he's like rolling craps and he's like, yeah, come on, everybody. What do you, what do you want? Gotta win some shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even when he meets Tom Jones, he just like has yeah. like a conniption. He's so excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I like how, as if uh, going back to what you were picking uh, Tom Jones as your pick at the very end. So what's funny is that Danny DeVito is kind of like calling him out. Like you're the, it's uh, like singing a song and then at the very end it's like that's his thought process that's all that's all tom jones does in his life he just thinks of like when's the perfect moment for my 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 hits to come into my come come out i will say i i wrote this down because i the funniest letterbox review was mars attacks reveals a fascinating insight of what to into what danny devito's skeleton may look like <laughs> That's pretty good. It makes you think. Dan, Dan, what do you think of Dan DeVito? 
Well, I was going to say, like, oh. and Danny DeVito gets the one, his kill is is different than everybody else's. He gets, like, the weird flashing x-ray kill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, like, the melt down. Yeah. Yeah. And then his bones just go. Because he's so electric. Right? It's so good. Dan, what do you think? I mean, if we're doing favorite characters, if that's where we're going, is is everyone picking Danny DeVito? <laughs> <laughs> Danny DeVito is definitely in the top three for me. But no, he's hilarious in this. Um, just like Mike, I forgot that he was in it until I fired it up last night and he popped on screen. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot it was him. But I think if we're going to do favorite characters just to be different, I think Natalie Portman's hilarious in this movie. I just think her nonchalant attitude about every single thing going on is so like subversive and funny. Cause normally the kid is like, dad, I told you that we need, or is like, and she's just yeah. like, nah, what are you going to do? Yeah. And then at the end, she's just like, here's the medal of freedom. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a girlfriend. So, you got a girlfriend. <laughs> and then I love the class. It's like, maybe we could, maybe we could all live in teepees. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's it's just like a funny thing to say like that's like his you like that's like his like kneeling during the national anthem it's like we should all live in teepees <laughs> maybe that's better life maybe would be better, better if it was a little more simple yeah am I, am I one of these horny aliens where i thought that was a pitching a tent joke with natalie portman <laughs> right absolutely i, was, I bet I you it was, was i thought he was like trying to hit on her in some weird way but Yes, maybe no. I, maybe maybe I had need to stand outside Christina Applegate's trailer. Well, it's funny you mentioned he wants to go back to simpler times and watching um Jim Brown and Pam Greer's kids uh back in 96 where there's they're bad like allegedly in air quotations bad they're skipping school but what are they doing? They're in some ratty old back alley basement playing arcade games they're not shooting up or killing i mean back then even in teenage mutant ninja turtles all the bad gangsters were in an arcade <laughs> and i was like was this the bad thing in the world can we go back to this time because what's going on it's the height it's the height of putting warnings on cds and video games and mm -hmm. they're poisoning our children so yeah <laughs> Uh, honestly that's got to be what it is right like back then there's a bunch of parents sitting around they're like my son was playing super mario that long in duck hunt he's such a terrible person it's like no no they're fine and did you mario notice kart... oh sorry i was gonna say mario kart is not a gateway drug <laughs> I, I was um did you notice that one of the kids is ray j yes is... ray j Yep, yeah, Cedric. yeah, he's Pam, Pam Greer's son, Ray J. Yeah, yeah his, Which second, is... his second biggest role. <laughs> oh, it's I'm good glad stuff. I could make Brian laugh. Yeah, no, that was it, good. It would be funny if you finished Mars Attacks and it was like, if you liked Ray J, you might like and it just came with the Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> He's not most known. Ray J's not known for uh, for Mars Attacks. He's known for his comeback role. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Preston loved it. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on, guys? No, it's good. It's good. Uh, so, do you think, Mike? Do you think this is Tim Burt's most fun movie or his best movie? 
I'm not going to say it's his best, um, but in terms of it being the most fun, yeah. I would say it's definitely his most, yeah, it's his most zany, most fun. Like, you can tell he is just, like, kid sandbox with action figures and, like, really, really expensive action figures. Just, like, deciding, I'm going to kill Jack Nicholson now. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, and that's that's the way I look at it. Is like, this was, like, a chance to just, like, do something absolutely batshit off the walls. He did his sort of, like, really, you know kind of uh comma well it's like a dramedy with ed wood which was like kind of it showed the world like dude it, tim burton can make a really really rich and heavy film even though it deal, dealt with like the worst filmmaker of all time um this kind of felt like his oh, i'm just gonna do something fun and absolutely crazy and i don't know if he's really done anything like this since like this has kind of been this was the one that was like that peak where he was doing abs something absolutely super silly and crazy that was really irreverent. And I don't know if he's gone back to or done anything like that since. He he tried with Dark Shadows, but it did not work. Yeah, but it still felt it still felt too like under the confines of a studio. For some yeah. reason, the studio just let him do whatever the hell he wanted in this. And I don't know if like after this movie, the the reins were pulled back on him or what. But like, I mean, it just seems like, you know, there was there was a little bit more um, control. I can't remember. Was was Edward Scissorhands? Was that before this or after? It was before. It was 1990. Um, I mean, because, again, like, I feel like, you know, the only other movie in which he goes to me, balls to the wall, just fun, not so crazy is, is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And um, again, one of absolutely that is like one of my all time it's so it's so unadulterated it's so just pure in what it is um and honest you know it's not it's it's not like not to go on a sidetrack of, of, of the peewee movies but like no other peewee movie with the exception of the tv show at times um could capture the honesty that big adventure had um they tried to get the goofiness but they could still, they couldn't replicate that. There was just, there was, again, there was this magic in a bottle, which Pee Wee Herman felt like a real, even though he was, he was cartoony, he still felt like he had real emotions. He was a real person with this silliness to him. Tim Burton, I feel like captured that. And it felt like there was sort of no rules. Just go make this silly, goofy movie with this comedian. And that was really refreshing. This sort of felt similar in that, like, you have these great actors go make something fun and silly. And that to me was, um, and again, going into the characters of this movie, like they all have their moment. They all have the, like they're given their chance to like do something pretty unique. Um, and they feel like they don't just feel like character sketches. They do have their moment of like reality that you, you buy into. And again, which grounds the movie. I feel like Burton is so good at that about 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 putting those those layers in with his characters, even if it's in something silly like Mars Attacks. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can I go back to the your your favorite actor MVP in this movie and yeah. give an answer? Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun to watch him in Murders in the Building right now and then see him so young and suave and like. He is a baby face and he's just trying to get laid. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's all he's trying to do this whole movie. He, he's been very stressed. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he's been. His job is very high, high stress. Yes. I love it. Yeah, he's so good in that movie. I I I do like that. Um I have to say had... that actually his, his scene with, with Lisa Marie mm-hmm. is to me one of the more frightening moments in the movie. Oh yeah. You know like something really, really terrible is gonna happen, and then they like take it a step further, like with like the biting out the finger, spitting it in the fish tank, the fish start eating the yeah. You're just like, oh my god! Like, it's not just that the alien is going to take him out. Like, they like build on with these layers of cruelty, and you're just like, yep, this is this is this movie. At at every moment where somebody gets theirs, it's just like, oh my god. Watching that now was probably the creepiest one for me as an adult because there's a scene where he's walking and she's just kind of gliding behind him, mm-hmm. but then to kind of catch up to him she does this very very like jerky um fast movement and then keeps gliding and i was like oh no that's fucking creepy yes that's creepy uh-huh. um so that's i mean watching it as an adult that's probably the the creepiest thing um and the fact that they thought you know they looked at playboy and they said hey let's meld kind of like marilyn monroe and like a bride of frankenstein and send her mm-hmm. to earth um, or dress her, dress an alien up like that. And that's going to be, um, you know, kind of someone's going to fall in love with her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was great. It's, it's so good. Does anybody else have anything to say about this being Tim Burton's best or his most fun that he's ever had? Do you think so? Or do you disagree? I think Ed Wood is his best to me. But um, I don't know. I'm such a sucker for Beetlejuice. So I still have a lot of fun with that one, I think, because I watched that one more. But having revisited this one twice already this year. um, Yeah, it's definitely in the in the running of being the most fun out of all of them, for sure. I I agree. And so is there a reason why Michael Keaton wasn't in this movie? Because you have Jack Nicholson, you have Juno, the caseworker from Beetlejuice as the grandma here. Like it just would make sense that there would be a cavalcade of. Yeah, Ke- Keaton was doing Jackie Brown. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, so Pam With Pam Greer. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Six degrees of Mars attacks here. Um, Okay, so is there like, so dialogue. I love dialogue in movies. Um, Is there a piece of dialogue in this movie that stuck out to you? There's one for me, and it's at the very beginning with Jack Nicholson's Art Land character. And he he says, um, it's so good. You're an adult, just cope. And I thought, I mean, that's straight from the departed of like, she's on her way out. We all are act accordingly. And I just love that line. But when he says that here, just you're an adult, just cope. It just that I love that line because I would use that in everyday life because it's so good. I, I like, I like, don't run. We are your friends. Don't run. We are your friends. <laughs> blasting people. Yeah, <laughs> that always gets me. And Glenn Close just going, my Nancy Reagan chandelier. Probably the <laughs> best death in a movie in a while. Like, I mean, everybody forgets death by chandelier. And it's like 
it's so clearly a dummy, but it hits her so forcefully. <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's great. Dan, what about you? I think, uh, I mean, I, I agree with all the ones you said, but I think Jack Nicholson's speech at the very end before he's killed, I was like, it's a legitimately good, like, in another movie, like it's very obviously it's playing up, but I could see it in a very serious movie where he's actually playing the president and that like changes everyone's mind. And that's what works so well is he's so you believe every word he's saying, he sells it, the script feels the way, the type of speech he was begging them to write for him earlier in the movie, he delivers one off the cuff, if you will, and then is stabbed through the heart. And it's just hilarious. It's just such a funny moment. It is. Preston, you got one? Um, I'm looking through my list of notes. Um, I took to a lot of Pierce Brosnan's lines <clears throat> this time around just because, um, yeah, we, we commented on his character, like how he's wrong, but he also says a lot of things that are kind of like he's he's too smart for the room sometimes. And he'll say something like, um, like uh, Sarah Jessica Parker will be like, they're so hideous looking with their, their their heads and everything. He's like, well, to to us, we may look really hideous looking. And you're like, but but nobody else seems to be comprehending what he says. Um, and there's another one that he says, God, where was it? I'm going to find it. Um, hang on. Oh, he says humans are an aggressively dangerous species. And like he's saying this in front of the, the general guy. And as he's like, you know, hammering down his fist and everything. Um, and so it's just like one of those little smart things where it's just like, yeah, we're, 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 we, uh, we are the creators of our own destruction kind of thing. And so I found that really to be kind of smart. Uh, so none of mine were like really funny lines. I just thought they were like, oh, he, he threw in some like, as uh, Mike was saying earlier, like has some like true wisdom in there. Was Mike? Do you have a good a favorite line from the movie Mars Attacks? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right here. Here, you ready? Here we go. Yeah, I'm ready. All green of skin, 800 centuries ago, their bodily fluids include the birth of half breeds. For the fundamental truth, self determination of the cosmos. For dark is the suede that mows like a harvest. The hell does that mean? Cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the general, he's like, what the hell is happening? What is I know, like, well, he's, and, and what's so great is like, again, we're, we're, we're subverting the expectation because normally the general is the one that like, we're all just kind of like, shut up, dude, like give it a chance. But we are literally in his headspace in that moment. And we're all asking the same question <laughs> where everybody else is sitting like, hmm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the general <laughs> is the audience at that moment saying like this for dark is the suede that mows like a harvest. <laughs> I don't know. I just, that sounds like uh, what's his face, uh, Ed Ed O'Neill in Wayne's World, like when he's doing his whole bit about the darkness. in the donut sh- in the in the donut shop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I also love how that translation technology sounds like this oh. is going to be a very '90s kids reference, but Richie Rich with the smell detector thing when he's just yeah. like. That's what, they, yep. that's what it sounded like to me. It was old school because now in like Marvel or Guardians, they just have like something implanted in them that can like understand any language. But it was very much that that device reminded me of the 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when it's like yeah. giving that like the probability and stuff like that. It was just like this old mechanical asshole of a machine that yeah. didn't work. That you yeah. just like had to slap. These aliens kidnapped Willy Wonka to get that nitrogen chewing gum. Right, yeah. right. All right, so let's talk about the amazing score and music in this movie. Oh my goodness. Like mm-hmm. leave it to the duo, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman to really just I mean, from from the Pee-wee's Big Adventure to all the way up to present day, they have been a duo, a dynamic duo. And like this is no different. What this the music works here, right? Oh yeah. He's very good at uh, Danny that is capturing like the atmosphere of like whatever the movie has to be uh, happens to be set in. So like incorporating like their all that stuff and then like doing these like uh, voice like he, he the way that he brings in voices that kind of brings this like playfulness like this innocence um like he does that a little bit with batman um like making it sound like uh people singing or just doing like harmonies it just sound like he's pressing on the keys but he does that here with like so a lot of his voice work that he does with his scores are really good and uh, uh, so i really paid attention to it this time mike anything it's 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 either it's very close for me in terms of this. I love the opening theme of Mars Attacks. Like I remember when I first heard it, seeing it in the theater, and just being, you know, already obsessed with with Elfman's uh, score work for Burton, um, and uh, and then hearing this one, and you're just like, this. You can tell when you're watching it for the first time. This is one of the great ones. Mm-hmm. This is one of the great like opening credit sequence scores from from elfman and, and it's still it's up there it's got to be it's 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 in the top three if not i don't know like yeah it's it's really freaking good dude it, it like is it's not it maybe it's not beetlejuice maybe it's not quite beetlejuice like beetlejuice i think feel like is like his magnum opus like mm-hmm. one of the best opening scores to a film um mars attacks just for what it is and what it's doing for this movie it's so rousing and you're just like you know you're in for it uh after hearing like the theremin and to president's point like the voices like like the swelling like uh choir it's just mm-hmm. oh, it's so so good it is good uh chelsea you said you did a lot of research for the movie was there any behind the scenes tidbits that we don't know about that we just need to know um I think no. Um, I really wanted to just say no. No, 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 no. She's like, I did so much research. I looked into. I it got all. it. Anything? No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I got. I got it. Um, but I was looking at. Shut up, Dan. I was looking at. Um, just kind of the IMDb trivia. Um, and. I think you had said uh, at the very beginning that the movie was based on um, the movie was based on like this uh, Topps bubblegum card series. Um, And in 1993, uh, they were going to actually 
do a movie based on their dinosaurs attack series, um, but change the focus when, of course, Jurassic Park came out. Um, and so that's, I guess, kind of a little behind the scenes of uh, where it originally comes from. Um, but so I, while I was watching this, I was like, so why are the skeletons red and green? Like, that's a very just kind of a curious choice. Um, I guess the, uh, I guess Tim Burton said um, this had been done because the film had been scheduled for a Christmas release. Um, also, the red and green skeletons were first seen um, in Beetlejuice. Um, mm -hmm. You can actually see them in Barbara and Adam. Um, when and Barbara and working. Adam... And they're when they're in Juno's office, you can see there's like a there's a green and a red one. That's awesome. Ooh. I like that. I like that. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, good stuff. Uh, I got to ask everybody. This is a question on the fly. What music band or musician would make your head explode? By the way, that I feel like this movie has the same ending as uh, A Quiet Place. It does. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What? 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 Because I mean, I guess to the alien, Slim Whitman kills them. <laughs> the sound it, of that amazing country and western music, old school. But it's probably classic. like these, like in between bits and corn songs when he's going like, Ooh. <laughs> just <something> like that. <laughs> That's incredible. Or, or break stuff by Limp Biscuit. What? My favorite band of all time, besides Insane <laughs> Clown Posse, Limp Biscuit. Oh my god! This is blasphemy. Oh my god! <laughs> no, I love break stuff. Oh my goodness, <laughs> break stuff is so good. Polly Shore's in that music video. <laughs> Anybody? Anybody else? Mine's easy. It's that Billie Eilish song that's on the radio all the time from Barbie. Where it like, no, and it's I just in my head, I'm like, that could that could borrow into my brain and like my headaches. But my dogs just bark because I made that sound over like frozen <laughs> or something. Let it go. Come on. Oh, I love let it go. I love let it go too. I had, I had, I had a five year old. I know, but there was a point where it was overplayed. <laughs> not, in this, not in this house, my friend. We just bought tickets to uh Disney Princess concert live in Austin. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's your life you're going to disney world next month Ah, uh, good stuff chelsea anything um i'm thinking i'm i really i really don't like nickelback or like creed oh i love dude. creed and nickelback come on you might have you're, you're on to something right now why do you not like that makes your head explode though come on the best creed use of a nickelback is in if, uh, the if, death of Dick Long. Yeah, yes. If yodeling can make a Martian's brain explode, Nickelback can do the same to me. Superhero baby, ah, man, that song slaps. I've never heard that. I will never hear that. Don't send it to me. He's he's saying words. <laughs> Mike, what about you? probably got to be some like it's got to be uh what's the uh like either dynamite by teo cruz or um what a good good point. or um or what's that um black eyed peas song that's oh. like 
Maybe. I almost said black eyed peas. What? Like, I've seen yeah. them live. How do you like, go what's, out like what's black the eyed peas? what's what's the song that's Where I is can't. the Love? No, 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 no. I got a feeling tonight. Oh, dude, I got a feeling. Yeah, tonight's gonna be a good night. Like yeah. I, I freaking swear, like Mazel Tov. It's, it's the it's the song yeah. that when it gets played, like I will dance to some pretty like bad music at a wedding just because like whatever we're there to celebrate when that song comes on it is so hard to dance to that song i just i, I literally want to leave the room there we because go. it's just so i think it's got to be one of those two yeah there are better black eyed peas songs to dance to than that song you... but... i don't have anything no. actually against the black I, I actually do like some of their music i just that song in particular and i also didn't like that they that they they messed around with the uh, dick dale's miserloo in one of their tracks like that drove oh me. yeah they did they did remember that i don't know i like that um i'm gonna have to go probably jackie chan by post malone don't like it makes my head want to explode i'm proud to say i don't even know what that song is <laughs> i don't know what that song is. or or the candy paint song from post oh from post i love that song dude how do you like that song? i'm a big post malone fan over here so <laughs> you look like Post Malone. I got I got all those records right here. I can literally get them out for you. Don't do it. How do you like Post Malone and not like Limp Biscuit? Doesn't make sense. No, I do. Oh like my Limp god. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Um, Dan, again, your question: How does Mars Attacks come back to John Wick? We already did it. Oh, we, we did it to open. Oh, we did. Well, yeah. Go rewind and listen to that part. <laughs> I love Preston just has gotten so excited. He's pulling out his Post Malone oh, albums. I got two. <laughs> we, uh, I'm sorry you like it, Preston. Do you want me to go to the next one? The next I one what? I recommend this movie. I was trying to follow your outline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do you, you recommend I, it? I, I would. I, when I saw it when I was 13, I did not understand the humor behind it admittedly i was probably one of the people that was disappointed by it or confused and having seen it since and i guess i have more movie knowledge or just in my brain seen more of these older movies it's it is a great spoof and i think that everyone should give it a chance i actually think that the special effects for the type of movie it is work perfectly because and today, if they tried to make this spoof, they would try to make the special effects too good. So it's almost great that it was before special effects got so good that these still kind of stand out and make it feel a little bit more B-movie-ish. And I really like it. I love it. Everyone should watch it. It's free on Prime. Well, I guess not free, but it's streaming on Prime. So watch it. So it's got like a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. What do you bump it up to? It's got to be a 70. At, At least. least. Yeah, uh -huh. that's what I'm saying. Like, at 70s are up because it's got to be a passing grade. There's no reason for it to be in the 50s. No. Chelsea, do you agree or not agree? What's your final thought on it? I agree fully. Um, I think this should be probably a good 74 or 75 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I just think audiences didn't really understand it, weren't ready for it. Um, but highly recommended. Highly recommended. I like it. Uh, Preston. Uh, I agree. I think it should be probably in the mid 70s, maybe even 80s, just because I really enjoyed it this last go. And especially after this talk, after we've kind of gone through it a little bit more, it's it's just really is. Uh, if you really look for it, there's a lot of genius in it. 
And I, I hope people give it the time of day again and and see see beyond the surface, kind of like uh, like Step Brothers or Talladega Nights, where you watch and you laugh at the jokes, but there's a lot of like actual. It's got some things to say. Good deal, uh, Mike. Mike coming on to Fear and Loathing podcast, Fear and Loathing and Cinema podcast for the first time. Why did you choose Mars Attacks? Why do you love it so much? Is it a highly recommendation? And what RT Rotten Tomato score would you give it other than 55%? Well, dude, it's definitely certified fresh. I mean, let's just be honest here. <laughs> um, uh, or it should be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it just, I think the reason why I thought this one would be a fun one to review is because, again, um, before you know again before the rotten tomatoes craze and and when everything could just be distilled down into like one score based off of a hundred reviewers um again it was a surprise to me growing up and after enjoying the movie so much um that it was like critically slammed and that it didn't do well and i did not understand that at the time i was like what was wrong with this movie? i feel like i've seen worse movies that have done better than this and um so it was it it reminded me that it wasn't a movie that was um accepted for its time and i know that that's kind of like what the show is about man it's about revisiting stuff that like maybe wasn't given its fair chance and um this is one of those movies that has been um um uh, uh influential for me um again it's you know tim growing up with tim burton was was so much fun um, he always delivered something really special and unique. And uh, I, every single time I watch this movie, I, I'm reminded that it is a really, really good movie. It's just, it's just solid all the way around. It's funny. It's violent. Um, you know, the soundtrack kicks fucking ass. What, what movie is that from? Come on. <laughs> High Fidelity. Full, yes. <laughs> Jack Black. Full yeah, circle. Exactly. Yeah. Full um, circle. Donut. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> we could just keep going like this. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it was fun to just to get together with y'all and just talk about a movie that uh, that wasn't given its its uh, its due at the time and to to give it its due. I think that's 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 what it's all about, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I mm -hmm. I think that with. With Independence Day coming out, that's mainstream boy band rock and roll. I think it's that's fine. It's good. Mm -hmm. But um, Mars Attacks is punk fucking rock, man. It just balls to the wall punk rock. And I think it's so good. The performances are unbelievably great. Uh, there's lots to say, like Preston said, and uh, yeah, I think I this goes to like a ninety percent on my RT. Like, I, it's it's a damn good movie. It's great, and I'm glad you chose it. Um, with that being said, that brings a close to Fear and Loathing this week. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show and picking an amazing Fear and Loathing uh, movie to discuss and dissect and say why we love it. Right. Gosh, this was a blast. Like again, love talking, love talking movies, especially ones that uh, are misunderstood and ones that we can we can all like love love on. You know what I mean? This is this has yeah. been a lot of fun. Right? Yeah. Uh, Mike, where can everybody find you out there? Where where can people find you? Where can they buy you a beer? 
um well this is this is as you can see i i live in the cave down here so um i don't get out much unless it's it's uh it's i i just i just i stay my i stay in my bubble um for the most part but um i mean i'm just uh you know the the instagram thing i'm not the greatest social media presence in the world but um if you want to see what's uh what's going on in uh, my neck neck of the woods just uh just take a look at my uh what is it rockford road or whatever on, on instagram that's probably the best way to see what's going on with me otherwise Hell I keep yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty close to the chest Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dan, Dan Moran, where, where can everybody find you at? And also what is the John Wick connection to Mars attack? Fear <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and loathing Instagram. That was so good. I think Dan was about to lose his mind there. Oh, I just, I, I, I'm lost. I don't have one anymore. It's like it's like a trick I have to keep doing, and I can't come up with one. Um, uh, and we're gonna so, show yeah. off our one trick pony. Come on, I am a yeah. I know. Put me out. Old yeller me pretty soon because they were they were unkind to the dog in this movie. Yeah, both dogs bit the dust for sure. (laughs) So just follow the fear and loathing Instagram. We post stuff up there. We let you know. We post all sorts of goofy things on there. And also, um, since Mike's too nice of a guy to say it, but his movie's on Shutter right now. Hell yeah. Catch it on Shutter. Yeah, it's yep. good stuff. Uh, Chelsea, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram and pretty much everything else as Chelsea Nico, and on Twitter as Miss underscore Tenenbaum. Perfect. And and Preston, what porn sites are you on these days? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram as Blu-ray Dad, most active on there. You can find my writing and articles and things like that on DittonRC.com for Ditton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv. I have a Twitter, Preston Barta, but I'm not that active on it. There is you go. There only, you. Is your OnlyFans under Blu-ray Dad as well? <laughs> yeah, just me posing with with my yeah. chest in front of my crowd. <laughs> That would be that would be the gram right there. Yeah, yeah. That would be so good. That's an idea. I gotta take that. <laughs> it's Blu-ray um, Daddy, actually. Yeah, Blu-ray, Blu-ray Daddy. Daddy. Oh, Blu-ray so Daddy. good. Preston, you can have a you can have another income. It, it work. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger. Uh, you can find me at High Def Digest and Boomstick Comics. You can find me on our other shows, My Bloody Podcast, Celebrity Hour, and No BS with Brian and Susan. And on Wednesdays, noon till two, soundtracks, radio, and electromagnetic radio, playing all those amazing soundtracks. Thank you, Fear and Loathing fans. We love you. And thank you to Mike Nelson. <laughs> ack, ack, ack. Perfect, y'all. That was awesome. Yeah, that was fun.